With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. This is episode 45. Uh, we are back from All-Star Break and I am here with Tyler and Ryan once again. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. I'm fantastic. It's There's hockey back on right now. It's not Red Wings hockey, but it's still good enough, so I'll take it. Yeah, too bad the Wings don't play. I look today, I'm like, oh yeah, they're back. When do the Wings play next? I see it's like Friday. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's brutal. Unfair. I hate this bye so, week garbage. Yeah, well, it doesn't help that you get the all-star week and then the bye week. Yep. So. Garbage. So we've got a few things to go through today. Uh, we promised you a mailbag. We're going to deliver on a mailbag. I think it is actually the most questions we've ever gotten for mailbag. And then we're going to touch on a couple other things. But first, what I want to start with is what's been all the rage online recently. And that is people getting super, super upset with Jeff Blaschel sitting Dennis Chalowski. Guilty. Yeah, so I get it was a dick move to sit him at his homecoming, basically. He had family and friends when they played against Vancouver. He grew up as a big Vancouver fan, and then he's told that he sat that game. So the reason that they gave was that there were injuries and they needed people to come back from injury to sit him effectively trying not to enforce bad behavior. He'd look lazy for eight, nine games, maybe. He'd give it had some defensive lapses. He wasn't scoring as much. And sometimes when you sit someone, they get to see a game from a different angle and kind of analyze what's going on by taking themselves out of the situation. But I, I was pissed for a second. And then I'm like, well, he did the same thing with Rasmussen and it seemed to have worked. Yeah, dick move to do it on your homecoming, but I, I think it's something that probably had to be done. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Tyler. Um, well, okay, so yes, I do agree with the fact that, you know, you need to sit a, a guy sometimes and light a fire under their ass after they look lazy or they're not playing as well. Or even, I mean, it's his first year in the NHL, so like fatigue is going to start setting in at some point, which, you know, obviously is a normal thing. But for him to sit him the first night, okay, fine. Then you sit him the second game, and that's where I start to get pissed. It's like Dennis Chalowski is probably the best defenseman we have besides Mike Green. And Mike Green, okay, for for as good as Mike Green is, he's not the greatest defensive, you know, defenseman in the world. So to, for to sit Chalowski for the first game is fine if you're trying to teach him a lesson or show him from a different angle or you know just simply light a fire under his ass or give him a breather. All of those are accept- acceptable excuses. However, sitting him that second game was was inexcusable for me. I thought that sitting him that second game basically is telling you the kid that, okay, you know what? You didn't play well the first game, or you didn't play well, so I'm going to sit you. Now I'm going to sit you a second game to basically, what, teach him a lesson a second time? Like he didn't get it the first fucking time? Uh, see, I... Uh... 
I, I get both sides of it. Greg, I see your your thoughts. Tyler, I see your thoughts. I, I think the Bush League part of it was sitting him in Vancouver. That one yeah. didn't sit well with me just for the fact of what was going on. I think you do that, and then that's where I agree with you, Tyler. And then to the other aspect, this is where I agree with you, Greg, that I think he's just tired. It's his full, first full season. Like exactly. you just Like you just mentioned with Rasmussen, they put, sat him down. I don't remember how many games it was, but he came back and looked refreshed. And they did it with Mantha in the past when, when he was struggling early on in his first full season. It's I, I see the benefit. And the biggest thing, too, is that maybe he was dealing with an agony injury. That was never really confirmed. It was speculated, so take that as you will. But he got a couple games off right before the All-Star break. He's had this whole week to do whatever he needed to do to reset himself. And now they come back into this the game on Friday. And now if he's out of the lineup, then, yeah, we can start raising some more health. But it's for where they're at with the roster, again, it's just a shitty situation that no one's going to win out on. Yeah, I, that's. I think that's where we we all stand. Is it was a shit move to do it against Vancouver because, I mean, he had family there that expected to see mm-hmm. him play. But I get, in in even sitting him two games in a row, fine. Give the kid a break. Who cares? We weren't gonna win that other game anyways. But I I understand the point of being able to see the game from another level when you sit up in the press box and you get an overhead view of everything that's going on in the ice it's a completely different, different view. People will yell, well, they could have done the same thing by showing him tapes after practice and stuff. You, it, no, you can't. It's, it's a different view of the game happening in real time. You get to see how you would react in real time to certain situations. And they did it with Rasmussen and it worked and you're right. They did it with Mantha. They've done it with Athens you mm-hmm. and you don't want to reinforce bad habits or else you end up with an Ericsson. You end up with an abdicator. You reinforce bad habits and you don't correct them. Then they keep those habits for life and, and they don't fix them. You can't fix a vet. You can mold a kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's the big difference. He'll, so. he'll come around. He's got a lot of time and they're just not good anyway. So it's not like we're losing out on points with him. No. Gone. And we shouldn't be trying to get points in the first place. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll be back on Friday against Toronto. Uh, that'll be a big game now that Jake Muzzin's in Toronto. So it'll be a good defensive matchup there. Uh, but we will move on to something that actually just dropped today, I believe. If you don't know what today is, we are recording on January 28th. Uh, but today, an article went up on the Detroit News by Ted Colfin at 4.18 p.m. Stating that, and the title of the article is, With an Eye. Uh, on run at playoffs in 2019-20, Red Wings might stand pat at the trade deadline. And my head just about exploded when I read that. So I was skimming through some things that I picked out. It says Ken Holland is warming to the idea of re-signing some unrestricted free agents with an eye towards making the playoffs next season. Oh, uh, it says much will depend on the market. How many teams will be buying at that point? How many teams will be selling? He'll make a phone call to see what other teams are thinking. Uh, He said, but as we approach 2019-20, and we have a summer before then too, to potentially sign other free agents, and our young players progress and take another step forward, we'd like to be in a position to make a run at the playoffs. Now, the word playoffs shouldn't even be mentioned for another season. 
you're looking right now at okay, so they they don't trade anyone. They re-sign Howard for two years, which I'm fine with. We don't really have an interim goalie until the kids are ready. If you go to sign Nyquist, what are you giving him? Five million, five and a half million a year? He's not for, worth that. Well, and he's gonna he's want himself term. into that. He's gonna want five years. He's gonna want six years. And he's gonna want money. He's played that the way he's played this year. He's having a career season and he's almost keeping pace with Larkin, which is impressive. Now, granted, that's because he's playing with Larkin, but like, what are you going to re-sign Vanek? What are you going to do? Don't say things like that. So so his other quote in here was, we've got a lot of young forwards in that group of age 19 to 24. There are young defensemen in the system. We have to decide whether we're a better team if we re-sign some of our players and they can help us compete for the playoffs. So in the same interview, he has said playoffs two times. I just, his other quote was, if you take away four defensemen from any team, it's going to hurt a team. When we have our full lineup, we've shown we can play with many teams. I don't know if there's a team out there who've played as many one goal games the last couple seasons as we have. Now that points to your defense saying your defense is not good. So if you re-sign everyone, what's that going to do? What's the point? You need to put new defensemen in the lineup, give them a season to gel with each other, and then let them play the next season. But at the end of it, he gives a bunch of on-the-block grades where he puts up Nyquist, says chances of being dealt is possible. Howard, chances of being dealt is doubtful. Jensen's chances of being dealt is unlikely. Cronwall's uh, chances of being dealt is none. Vanek is unlikely and Witkowski is unlikely. So all the people that we basically have up as trade bait, uh, they think now there's slim to no chance that we will be trading any of them. So what do you guys think? Uh, can I start with this one? Because uh, when I read that article, my head almost exploded. It, it just feels to me like Ken Holland doesn't get the new NHL. And I, I've been saying this for a long time. You know, Ken Holland was good in the day where where he had a bunch of people around him. And now I feel like it's just him that is the quote unquote smart mind, but the smart mind is old now. And the the thinking is old now of thinking, Oh, you just get to the playoffs and then possibly you can go on a run. This team is not capable of going on a run. You don't have the talent to go on a run. I don't understand why people don't get that or why Ken Holland and these guys don't get that. It feels to me like they don't understand what it takes. And I don't know how you can be so blinded by this hockey team that you see in front. Watching this team night in and night out is hard at some times, honestly. And, you know, I try to do as much of it as I can, but it is hard. This team is not talented. If this team was more talented, sure, maybe you can go on a run and possibly make the playoffs and see what happens. This team's not good enough. Not even with everybody in the lineup. Yeah, okay, what? sure. Everybody everybody in the lineup, everybody healthy. Okay, yeah, maybe they're a decent club. They're not a playoff team, but maybe they're a decent enough club to even be maybe an eight seed. But come on, man. You think you're gonna you think you're gonna make the playoffs next year with this same roster unless you add to it? Like you're not gonna add to it. Just continue to do what you've been doing, accumulate assets, keep drafting, developing and see where you are in five years or three years. That's 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 where they should be at right now. They should not be at a situation where they continuously keep talking about being competitive. I know you have to say that for your fan base 
you know, to still continue to believe and, you know, for people to buy season tickets. I understand all of that. I get that. But for them to sit here and lie to us through their teeth and say, oh, yeah, we think we're we have a team that's capable enough to make the playoff. That's just a lie. And fan bases don't like when you lie to them. Why didn't you just take the blueprint of what the New York Rangers did? You should have just came out and said, hey, look, we we opened this brand new arena. You, a lot of the faces that you see on this roster on opening night, you're not going to probably see next year. And you know what? That's just the way it goes. That's the new NHL. That's how it goes. You you're you have a chance at the top for a long, you know, for a, a five or six years. And then you're going back down to the bottom. This isn't the 25 Stanley Cup playoffs in a row anymore. This isn't the old NHL. This is the new NHL. You have to learn how to adjust. Sorry. <laughs> That's how it goes. I mean, are you, am I wrong? No, I could no, see no, if no. they were maybe two, one or two pieces away going, I want to make the playoffs. We only uh-huh. need a couple pieces. They're not. Okay. okay, let me ask you guys a question real quick. And this, this kind of goes into one of our questions here from our mailbag, but I don't care. So hypothetically, let's just say that we had the cap space to sign three players, Bobrovsky, Panarin, and Eric Carlson. Does that make us a playoff team? No, because I think you still need at least one or two defensemen. That's the problem. You're not a playoff team even with those three, and you're not going to get those three. No. Ryan, answer that question. Do you think they are a playoff team with those three? Playoff team, but that not a winning playoff rounds okay so you think i don't know that's a tough tough hypothetical for me well ryan what do you what do you think of the the holland article well i know that i I don't think i'm as overly pissed off as tyler is in regards to the whole thing it's to me it was the most obvious political take that holland could have made with this whole thing now, is it a backtrack kind of of where we thought he was going to be? Yes. But at the same time, it's just if he thinks that the D is good enough where it's at, I think he all he's trying to do is buy himself time to try to rehaul this team in two years when ha- almost all of the defense that's there is gone. They're not going to be – if they're a playoff team next year, they're going to be embarrassed again like they had the last five years after, before they missed the playoffs these last two. So – they're they're not just a one or two guys away, three guys as we just hypothetically talked about signing the stud free agents out there. They need to make moves. They need to just better talent on their roster. If these young guys that we ha- that he's so happy about in the system actually start making these strides, I get it. He makes the point that they're all 19, 20 year old guys, but they're not playing at NHL level. Most of them aren't playing at the AHL level. That doesn't really speak to what you're saying right now if you're hoping for them because by the time that they do get there there's the likelihood that they're playing one year of restricted free agency with your team and then you pray that he signs a bridge deal so it's it's a dangerous situation slope that i think he's trying to take with the quotes in this article right now my whole thing is i i'm not sure like i've said this whole time like you can't fire Holland. He's brought championships. You can't fire Holland. Trade deadline is in a little under a month. And this article comes out. I'm firing him tomorrow. I'm firing him tomorrow. If he is going to say, well, we've lost some one goal games and we're, we look like a pretty decent team. 
uh, so let's not make any trades and, and let's not do anything and let's try and win the get to the playoffs next year. I'm firing him tomorrow. Uh-huh. There's just there's nothing. I, I fire him. I get an interim GM and then I get Eiserman next year. I I would not let this happen if he thinks, well, we're just going to stand and we're going to sign Nyquist to a four year deal, five year deal and we'll sign Jensen. Oh, J- Jensen's young. Why don't we give him a six year deal? And like he's gone. I, Based off his current deals, he would fucking do that too. Thank you for the cups. You've been great. Here's the door. Because I'm not letting you, I'm not letting you screw up the rebuild, just like that. Mm-hmm. So that's, and, and I, we had to do it. Good. We planned on doing something else, but but we had to do that because that I mean that blew my mind. I read it and I'm like, there's no way with how good he's been with. We're not in any point to make the playoffs, and now to turn around and and say the exact opposite. It just it's insane to me. But we're going to move on to our mailbag. We'll get through some questions. Uh, For you, the fans, we will start off with our questions from Facebook. We have a question from Geert that says, when will Zadina be NHL ready? And I will actually start with this one. That is a tough question. So he's kind of streaky in the AHL currently. He scored again the other night. Beautiful. Every goal he scores is a highlight real goal. It's, it's gorgeous, but he goes a little too far between scoring them. But I, I attribute that to learning the defensive part of the game because in the queue, he never really had to work on defense. I think Zadina will be NHL. If he puts in the work this off season, uh, I think Zadina will step in next season. And and take a start with a second to third line role and move his way up. No, I would agree. I mean, if he has, if he gets up here and is in the Detroit, Metro Detroit area, especially if he pulls maybe like a Chalowski this off season, I don't see any reason him for him not to be in Detroit trying to make an impact that was in the exact same way Chalowski did. What benefits him is the set or benefits him more, I should say is that he's already got and will have a full year completed with a, against AHL talent. So he's going to have a better understanding coming into next season. I mean, Chalowski, he got that glimpse of it in April of last year after his uh, after, after he joined the Griffins for a short time going into the playoffs. But that full season for Zadina, I think, will be very critical, and he's going to have the workout plan on everything from Detroit. So I, I, I would say – in the NHL next year, and as far as ready to be determined how he adjusts and can make it happen. I think Zadina is on his way to being ready. I mean, I'd like to see him, like Greg said, be more consistent and, uh, you know, start putting the puck in the net more. But you know what? Uh, in the grand scheme of things, he also needs to be better defensively. When I seen him play here in Boston, I, I didn't think he was great defensively, but you know, that also comes as you get older. And you know what? Honestly, you don't need 75 different players that are like Luke Glendening that just play good defensively in their own zone. I'm sorry. Phil Kessel and, uh, you know, a bunch of great wingers in the NHL. Have Ovechkin. All been, Ovechkin. I mean, Ovechkin comes back a little bit more now, though. Uh, you know, controller I'm, still dies most games. I'm thinking Phil. <laughs> I'm thinking more like Phil Kessel. He plays zero defense. It's like pathetic to watch. But then he, you know, he comes and takes that wrist shot from from the top of the circle or inside the slot, and then scores just about every time. So 
you know, you can have players on the team like that. Nikita Kucherov barely plays any defense. So, and he's one of the best wingers in the league. So, I mean, he's ready. I, I wouldn't say now. I would say probably either at the end of the year if you want to get his feet wet or, you know, if you want to start him off at, at, at next year. Even Honestly, there's no real rush to, for him to be in the NHL. However, I would try to get him here, you know, at least by the beginning of next year. I think that would probably be the best way to start. Yeah, I wouldn't put him on a team that's – that's in almost last place and it bounces true. between yeah, last and true. fourth in the league. There's no reason. Uh, so our next question is from Ray on Facebook. It says, who is your favorite goalie prospect and why? And we'll let uh, Ryan start off with, with that question. Cool. Here's where I'm the most ignorant when it comes to our prospect pool. I'd say that for a while there, it was Petrozuli because of the, the way he was so highly regarded coming up on the U through the U S and, international play but i don't think i have a really good answer i like the way that sateri has played at the ahl level but there's really to me i don't know without just spewing a bunch of bullshit i don't want to go too deeply into a randomized opinion because i it's it's, it's tough for me there's nothing that we don't have a carter Hart in detroit like no. uh, philly does that can no. just show up and be like all right i'm 20 years old i'm ready to fuck shit up let's do this so it's we also don't have uh, right now a Mackenzie Blackwood or a uh, Delia like Chicago has. Mm-hmm. So I don't know uh, anyone at this point because Howard's almost dead. Bernier is something. So anything that's not. <laughs> no, he's not. Bernier is point. nothing. Uh, okay. I'll give you that too. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer because I don't really. That's the tough one for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the torch to you guys. Tyler. I think I think the goalie pool is pretty deep, actually. Jurgen Van Pollenberg, um, you got Philip Larson, you got Keith Petrozelli, and uh, you know it's interesting. Uh, then you have uh, Cajun Fulcher, who looked pretty good, and and some of some of the uh, what was it the 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 rookie tournament or whatever, and yeah. uh, the rookie camp. That's what it Traver- was. Traverse City. Traverse City, exactly. You got to pick one though, Tyler. Well, I guess if I had to pick one to be Philip Larson, I think Philip Larson has the most upside, in my opinion. Unless you want to go Keith Petrozelli because he's six foot five, but I would go Philip Larson. He's six two one eighty one. He's a Swedish goalie. We haven't had a Swedish goalie in a long, long, long time. Uh, I think since uh, what Jonas Gustafsson, yeah. So it's been a while. He's played at the University of Denver, so you know Denver's a good program. And he's only played 10 games, so... I, it started with injury. Okay, that's right. That's right. So he probably is starting for them. That That's the guy that intrigues me the most. All right. Well, I, I would say as far as our more proven prospects go, Larson Larson's your guy. He is... He's solid whenever he's in. He just dominates at the world tournaments. But one that we should really, really keep an eye on is who we drafted last year. Uh, round three, number 84 overall, Jesper Eliasson. He is playing for the Vaxo Lakers in the Super Elite. He is also Swedish. Uh, but right now, he has played 25 games. He has a 2.31 goals against and a uh, 92% save percentage. He is fast climbing the Red Wings goalie pool. And he, I believe, is only 18. So he's putting up Larson type numbers. 
And I think he'll be one to watch. And we may have gotten a steal with a round three goalie pick in, in Elias. And because I don't think anyone was watching him, he looks like he, he could be one fast, but for people saying we need to draft a goalie in the first round, or we need to sign Bobrovsky because we don't have any goalie talent. There's three or four or five good goalie. I would say two, very two to three, very good goalie prospects. And then, some quality ones, you just got to look it up. You got to look at their play. You got to look up their stats and actually figure out who they are because we've probably got six goalies in the pipeline right now. JVP so. might be the guy that's most ready, right? Well, yeah, but J- they don't know if JVP is actually going to come over to the NHL or not. He seems content. I think he's playing in the Swiss League, and he seems content. Why the fuck would you be content playing in the Swiss League if you have a chance to play in the National Hockey it's League? A, it's his home league. I don't know. Yeah, I get it. So we're going to move on to a question from Gabe who says, who do you think the future of this team is? Now I asked for clarification on this. He says, basically, who do you think the team will build as a core moving forward? So you've got someone like Larkin who is going to be the captain. He's going to be their centerpiece no matter what. I don't think this team will give up on Anthony Mantha. I don't think they should give up on Mantha because Mantha again can be a 30 goal guy if he stays in the lineup the whole season and, and is is like there and ready and present and playing. Um, fights. Yeah. Then you've got someone like Rasmussen. They won't give up on him and Chalowski. And beyond those, uh, Bertuzzi, I'll throw Bertuzzi in there too. He's he's come quite away from, from Guelph. I say beyond those guys, it's up in the air. I could really lose everyone else and it wouldn't make a difference to me. Are we looking at just current players here? Is that the gist of the question? Yeah, but I think it's out of all of our pool, but it's kind of hard to judge True. players that are in the A if they haven't played in the NHL. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'd say Larkin's the no-brainer here to the situation. Mantha, I think he's your big-body scorer that you want to have on this team. Um, I feel like I'm going to be regurgitating pretty much everything you just said. I think two guys that you really should focus on and keep happy and keep doing what they're doing is going to be Chalowski and Hironik just for the way, I mean, Hironik is a prime example of sitting down for a few games, getting back in the lineup and raising hell. Granted yeah. his sitting down was going to the AHL. However, he has taken full advantage of that situation and he's come out better than ever. Um, and then I, I like your point about Burt. I think he's going to be an agitator that can actually make plays on like a couple of guys that we currently can't stand <laughs> at this point in their career. And then outside of that, it really is tricky. So I, I think that's my core. If Anthony see you, he's he's too up and down for me to really believe that he is going to be a relied upon piece of the their core moving forward. But he's one that I would love to be proven wrong about. Yeah, I agree. I hate to like basically say what you guys are saying, but I mean it's true. I mean I would say. You go anywhere from Larkin to Mantha, possibly Athens CU. Bertuzzi also could be a part of it, unless there's trades. Trades, you know, fuck all of this up, basically. Um, then you got, you know, Chalowski, Hironik, and then probably Zadina as well, just depending on, you know, how what he ends up looking like in the National Hockey League when he ends up getting here, because uh, that's inevitably going to happen. Um, Joe Bellino. Joe Valeno as well. Uh, but, you know, like I said, just from this current team, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. And then I hate to say this because you're stuck with these players, but 
Justin Abdelkader is also going to be a part of this future unless somehow he either gets hurt or if he retires or what. But <laughs> I, I I hate to say it, you're stuck with him. No one's taking him off of your hands. So that, that he's not the future of this team. Well, you're talking about players that are going to be on this team for at least not two or three literally, years. Literally, Tyler. Why are you trying to anger me with a guy like Justin Adelkater right now? <laughs> God. All right. We're good. Before before we, we come to an impasse, we're going to go to a question from Jim who, who asks, has the departure of Jim Nill, who was the head of scouting and in charge of the draft picks from 95 to 2011, left a void that hasn't been 100% filled? And this was interesting because I hadn't thought about it. And you can kind of see it. I wouldn't say he's left a void necessarily a hundred percent in drafting because we have hit on the draft the past few years, but I would say he may have left a, a hole in trading. I'm since 2011. I mean, there haven't really been any remarkable trades that I can think the Red Wings have made that are good player for player. Uh, or player for player and pick type trades that have been of any serious note. But I think that would be, that's a very good question. I don't think they have, because Jim Nill, he's with Dallas now, and you never fill a void of a guy that goes to that kind of level unless you pick out the next, uh, next Dubas or whatever to come in. Yeah, I, I could see a, a void being left by the departure of Jim Neal, definitely, and still feeling it today, not so much in regards to drafting, uh, but I could definitely see it in regards to player trading. Well, I think uh, Jim Neal was – I don't I don't want to say the straw that stirred the drink when it came to things, but you could see when Jim Neal left – Mike Babcock actually said this. I wish I could find the quote – but he even said when Jim Nill left, he said something to the effect of that one's going to hurt long term. And he wasn't wrong. I mean, look at look at the talent we're left with. Yes, we do have some prospects. A lot of them are, um, you know, probably B-level prospects. I mean, and, and Larkin's not really a prospect anymore. But Jim Nill definitely, they've he's left a void that, I would say, and and you know what, maybe I'm wrong, but I would say it's not even 75% filled. That void that he left is is huge. And there's other guys that have left, like a lot of the scouts that were here um, are now under Stan Bowman in Chicago or were under Stan Bowman in Chicago. And so like, yes, okay, so you're great. So a lot of teams like to pick away uh, players, not only just players, but like people in the front office and people, scouts and, and, you know, heads of scouting and all that kind of stuff. But that's pretty much that I would go as far as Jim Neal was very important to the scouting and even the trade process. Like you said, I think the biggest thing is when it came to trades, because you look back, I'm looking at uh, NHL trade tracker real quick. He's picked up guys with names like, Dominic Hasek. He retraded to pick up a guy like Igor Larionov. He helped acquire Chris Chelios, Wendell Clark, Brent Gilchrist Gilchrist way back in the day. Robert Lang, as you just mentioned. I mean, it's a fantastic list. He got Todd Bertuzzi in the 07 year. 
he, he was a big piece of that getting Brad Stewart that led to the cup run, which also to note on that, Ken Holland mentioned that in another article talking about how trades were vital to this team being successful throughout all the cup years. And then you look after he's gone and shortly after in 2012 season, the Red Wings used a first round pick to get Kyle fucking Quincy. So I think that sums it up right there for you. <laughs> but as, as far as like draft picks go, I think to your point, Greg, it really hasn't been that much of a one-off. There's been some pretty overall, especially the last couple of years for how things have gone. Granted, it's been a downward spiral, but at the same time, it's also just because time finally caught up with Detroit and the roster was just getting worse. And for how long did they not have a top pick in the league because of how well they were doing in the playoffs. So I think the biggest piece that they lost was in how how to acquire people via the trade and not necessarily worry about picking them up in the draft. But I think in the draft, it's been about a 50-50 split in that sense almost, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, so since Nil has left, the Red Wings have acquired Kyle Quincy. Uh, we've acquired Andrew Murray for Brad Stewart. We acquired a seventh-round pick for Kent Huskins. We acquired David Leguan, Eric Cole, Merrick Zidlicki, uh, Dylan Sadoe, Dylan McElrath, Scott Wilson, and Matt Pumple. So how many of them play on the Red Wings right now? Oh, yeah, zero. Can we go back to that David Leguan pick or trade? Oh, yeah. Callie Arncroft, Patrick Eves, and a third for David Leguan. What the sweet fuck? <laughs> That was a bad trade. I was pissed off when it happened. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Patrick Eves, his situation currently is just awful. But look at the shit that he tore up after he left Detroit because he wasn't buried. He was a goal scorer in college. He wasn't used as a goal scorer under Babcock. And then Callie Yarncroft never got to see the light of day because he got buried in the AHL. And then he didn't really necessarily tear it up, but he is a vital piece to that Nashville roster right now. And then we got broke dick David Leguan that didn't even survive the season. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was that was tough. Uh David Leguan in a Detroit uh uniform played 21 games and had 11 points. So <laughs> that was that. Uh we're going to go on to our next question and try to wrap up our mailbag. From let's see, from Eric says, "Are there any free agents this year that you're hoping the Wings target?" Broadman. So my my take on this is would Panarin be nice? Yes. Panarin would be great. You'd have to give Panarin a long-term contract, which I'm okay with. Right mm-hmm. there, you get you you get Larkin a winger. Right there, that's your top line winger. You can go spend, I don't know, what would you spend on Panarin? Nine to ten million a year. Yeah. Eight 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 to ten million a year. Yeah. It depends. At least I think because he's a point per game guy easily, and more. Yeah. So the only other. I would target Panarin. Um, how do you guys feel about Eric Carlson? Yep. yep. I, I, to me, it's a no-brainer. Both yep. those guys, I think, de- uh, depending on what stupidity of the re-signing phase happens, but I think those two are your top two targets no matter what. And you sell the shit out of the prospect pool that you have and the core that you're trying to build around. Arena. Yeah. And that, yeah. So, So I'm saying those are my only two targets. You get get two superstar players and you throw them in with Dylan Larkin and, and you, you score a shit. I think you still, you're not making the playoffs still, even if you are, you're backing in, but you're that much closer depending on how Zadina 
you you speed the rebuild up significantly yep. by signing someone like Panarin and Carlson. So just think about this though. You have a if you have Carlson on this roster, well I said you've got Eric Carlson, Mike Green, Philip Peronic, and Dennis Chalowski. And then trash bins at the the bottom two spots. We're, we're not going. I'm trying to stay positive, here, Greg. <laughs> I yeah, think but, bottom. Yeah, but Greg, if if that's the case, yes, trash bins. Okay, so Erickson, Cronwall probably be gone. It'd so be Erickson okay. and Kaiser. Cronwall done. The Kaiser, I'm not mad about. Erickson may retire. There's still that injury no. that possibly nope. could get him out of there. Nope. No, he's Just not hear going. Just for a second, Libor Sulak is a guy that I continue to look at. And I thought, I mean, obviously he wasn't great when he came up, but there was great, there was flashes of brilliance. And I think that he deserves a spot at some point in the bottom set, uh, bottom, you know, pair. Okay. But he's not going to get it. I mean, if you sign Carlson, it goes, I mean, your bottom pair is Erickson to Kaiser. That's just the way it would work. Yeah. Um, but we're all in agreement that we target, Carlson and Panarin, we probably get neither, but those would be the only ones I would target. No, I think I think we have a shot actually. Huh. It just it just as long as he's not stupid in the in the resign period. Yeah, but who do you think is going to be the GM making these decisions? It'll I'm be Holland. Gonna, I'm not going to say anyone other than Holland until you I actually see some some ballsy move happen. You don't think it's a possibility that it's Steve Eisenman? No, I nope. I think there's at a possibility. Point, but I'm not holding my breath. So you don't think he's coming back to Detroit? Not saying uh, that. Not next, not next season. So you think he's going to take a little bit off? Is that what you're saying? Either that, or sign another one year with with Tampa or something, because or or comes on in a different advisory role. But or he goes, I, yeah. Holland, I don't think Holland will will do will will step down. He has already shown once that he won't. That's so, why we lost Eisenman the first time. Yep. So we're going to move on to questions from Twitter. Uh, our one question from Twitter, and then we'll yeah. wrap. Uh, Frank asks, what would you consider a success and failure at the deadline? So that's an easy question to answer. Uh, A success would be trading Nyquist and trading Howard. That's a success. If you can also offload someone like Glenn Denning and Jensen, even more beautiful. A failure is exactly what we talked about in the article. It's doing absolutely nothing and then re-signing people to high contracts. Or any re-sign. Yeah, he'd be fired. I'm telling you right now, the the ownership and, and you know stuff like that. They they are not going to have that. They are not going to have them signing players. It just doesn't make any sense. It's asinine, actually. And if you are able to land a Carlson or a Panarin, those are people and players that not only have some kind of um, a personality to them. But they also put asses in seats because they're dynamic players. They Absolutely. put pucks in the back of the net. Carlson's dynamic offensively, and yeah, okay, he gets walked defensively. But you know what? So does Mike Green, and I bet you uh, Carlson is better than Mike Green is defensively if you watch him every single night. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so putting asses in seats—if that's what's important to them—if it's not really getting to the playoffs and. Or, 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 I mean, if it's not really, you know, the rebuild and everything like that, if it's putting asses in seats and trying to get to the playoffs and get this team back to a Stanley Cup caliber team at some point, then signing those two guys or signing at least one of them will put asses in those empty seats. So, it really hasn't been that awful for the seats. I no, think it really hasn't. On. 
I'm not gonna. I'm not giving any fucking credit to those black seat covers, though. I will tell you that right now. I think they look good. It's not bad, but it, at the same time, it's not uh, to not get off subject. Um, I I think Greg, you nailed on the head on a f- success to failure. If you hold on to all these guys, don't at least offload. Because my biggest thing is, if you keep acquiring picks, especially in this year, next year's draft, you know what you can do with those picks. You can utilize, you can use them in a trade, or guess what else you can do that no one seems to like to do? Offer sheet. Yeah. So They say this season might be the return of the offer sheet. It's not a good look. I don't don't care. It's not a good look because then if you get into a situation where you're in cap hell, then a team, a rival team is going to do that to you, and you're not going to like that. They're about to not be in cap hell. Yeah, well, when you're Ken Holland, you don't really have a choice. So yeah, easier said than done. Yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap up tonight, guys. Give me your final thoughts and your uh, Twitter handles. Um. All right. So you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. I have no final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> at least you got your Twitter handle right on the first try. I'm so proud of you when you did that. I had it written down. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I think my final thoughts are just, I'm going to, I keep saying it over and over, just enjoy it as it's going to suck. But if they, if Holland doesn't eat his own words and make some things happen, I think we can collectively be happy. And that's all I want to be and not be mad. So fuck you, Advocator and Erickson. Well, the Red Wings are in a better situation than the Tigers, Pistons, and Lions combined. So. Yeah. Not hard to do. Uh, anyways, the, my Twitter handle is at RDRyan33. My final thoughts is going to be I just need to go to bed and forget that that article even happened. <laughs> uh, I really hope he's not being sincere about that and that he actually does sell off at the deadline. But if he doesn't, you got to fire him. You have to fire him if he doesn't sell the players. And I that's, that's all you can do. Uh, you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, basically anywhere podcasts can be found. Please subscribe to us. Leave us comments. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, check out our new Facebook page. If you search Grindline Podcast on Facebook, you will find us. You'll also find the Grindline Podcast group that you can come in and talk to us and start discussions and say bullshit and whatever. Uh, But for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg and you stay classy hockey town.